What's up, friends? This is No Creamer. I'm Nick Richards, and today I am joined by Colby Coleman. He's a barista at Wayward Coffee in Dallas, Texas, film photographer, and also a self-proclaimed big fan of the outdoors. Dude, how's it going? Dude, it's going really well. How about yourself? I'm pretty good, man. It's been a it's been a good day, dude. What's going on in your world right now? Uh, not a ton's going on. Um, we're just gearing up at wayward for the winter season got people coming in it's been staying busy um i'm on the the heels of producing my first photography book which has been really exciting and so um but yeah that's really about it not too much else is going on okay well i definitely want to chat about film photography with you i feel like that's something that we kind of hit it off on from the the get-go of our our friendship and conversation when i came out to wayward for a little bit of course you're doing a book dude so let's jump in and talk about that for a second that's really really cool yeah it's been on my mind and i've wanted to do something akin to that for years i've i mean i've been shooting photography since like late junior high early high school Mm -hmm. and it's always just kind of existed in me this desire to turn my work into something that is physical that yeah, yeah like it has more of a like a tactile quality to it, something that people can pick up and actually evoke something more than just, oh, that was a nice thing to scroll past. Yeah. Um, and so I finally geared up and had a body of work that I felt really confident in and wanted to, felt like had the chops to be that book that I've always wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And so kind of geared it out. And we have just recently gotten to the process of ordering some proofs and we're waiting on those. So very excited. Cool, dude. That's awesome. Is the body of work for the book, does it span a bunch of different times of photography for you? Or did, is it like a specific, is it your trip to Marfa? Is that what so it's comprised of? It, uh, it kind of spans all over. I The body, the work in the book didn't necessarily become, like I didn't set out like this is going to be the body of work that mm-hmm. this like that will make up the book i uh i did i took a back in july i took a trip with a good buddy of mine down to big bend area marfa terlingua that whole run of towns and we went out with the express purpose of making photos and Mm -hmm. so we spent three or four days out there just kind of blasting some photos and came back and i was kind of about a month later i was kind of sitting there evaluating my work and uh while i was in a trip uh, to Colorado with my family and kind of got some of that work back too and started looking at all of it and kind of realizing like I think it's ready and so I ended up running through and I selected about at the beginning I think 95 to oh, 100 photos and just kind of laid them all out with some like cheapo Walgreens prints and so just kind of started sequencing <laughs> like them out floor of your room type yeah thing. like yeah. I literally I moved all the furniture in my living room and just laid them out and just kind of stared at them until something made sense did you do the layout in the same way like did you move stuff around to see how look together yeah i a lot of the layout process was done like physically it was with those four by sixes that Mm -hmm. i got from walgreens just because i knew that if this was going to be a physical thing like if it was going to be a real book that people were going to flip the pages of i wanted that to make sense physically like i wanted the flow to feel right in person rather than just on Mm -hmm. a computer screen and so that is mainly how that layout happened and it was a lot of putting photos next to each other do these work do these not and i had some that like just right off the bat 
that made sense as pairings that were like, okay, these have to go together. But yeah. outside of that, it was just kind of whatever spoke to me, whatever was like, yeah, this, this looks like a good sequence. So that's awesome, man. Did you move from digital to film or did you start in film photography? I started in digital. So my roots in photography kind of landed. I, I mean, I was in junior high and just would like, I liked taking pictures of things mm-hmm. on my iPhone. Just, I was like, Oh, th- this looks interesting and taking photos. And one day, I was showing some photos to some friends from a trip that I had taken. They were like, oh, you should do this. Like, you should submit these to something. And I just kind of clicked in and I was like, oh, I'm I'm good at this. And so went to Best Buy and bought a dinky little Nikon (laughs) box set camera. That's all it takes. Yeah, that's all it takes. And so um, started with that and just kind of shot on that for a couple of years until I went to college and met a bunch of other photographers and kind of realized that I was ready to step up my game just because I felt like my eye had grown, but my equipment had not. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't quite reflect the things I was seeing with the equipment I had. So I upgraded to a Fuji X-T20. Okay. And then after that, a Fuji X-T2. But it wasn't until... I kind of dabbled at film in that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this old Canon AE-1 that my grandfather had given me. and That's I would the dink- bread and butter it film is. camera, it's dude. The, it is the beginner film camera. And uh, I would just kind of dink around on that. and Yeah. I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just would get it and kind of YouTube some stuff, like how to shoot film. and. Yeah, yeah. I thought I didn't really and I didn't know where to get the film developed and so I was just like (laughs) I have all this film that I don't know what to do with and so I kind of sat it down until I met a buddy uh, the same one that I went to Marfa with actually and he shot film and he kind of was like dude we ought like press in figure it out Mm -hmm. like let's do this and so that's where I fell down the rabbit hole and I've shot film almost exclusively for about a year and a half, two years now. So is the, uh, shoot film stay broke yes, thing true? That is hundred <laughs> percent true there. I, it just, it's a little painful yeah. to, to vest yourself so deeply into something that is so expensive and kind of on the front end doesn't feel like there's a lot of return on that mm-hmm. of like, Oh, I'm spending like $75 developing like scanning and developing these like three rolls of film. Mm-hmm. But I think in the long run, that feeling is kind of subsided by getting that work back and feeling proud of it. Like yeah, I, yeah. every step of this process I had control over and like I made this photograph. Yeah. I didn't just see something and press a button. Like there was active agents, there was agency in, in that photo that I had. And so I, I love that feeling. That's awesome. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have become photographers because of our phones. Oh, absolutely. And that experience of taking a photo has lost a lot of the magic that I know is baked into the analog process. Oh, for sure. I have a Canon AE-1 as a beginning Beautiful. film photographer. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, but I have not blasted any roles through that just yet. I, I want to. The amount of times that I've watched a video of Willem or oh, Joe yeah. or Willem and Joe, and I'm like, man, there's something that I can like. I can see in watching them, not mm-hmm. even like being present to them or anything like that, but just watching them, I can see something different in the experience of film photography. Oh, absolutely. And like, so I I've shot on a Sony A7 III for my digital work for the last three years now. About six months ago, I was like, this just feels like it has too much baked into the camera yeah. that assists me in scenarios where I would otherwise have to really be paying attention and 
um, be purposeful with my placement and my time and all those things. And so I recently picked up a Fuji X100T. Autofocus is beautiful. So that, is, that is an excellent golden camera. The experience that I had on my first shoot with that camera was something different. Like I felt like there was something alive about that process. The Sony felt like a workhorse. Like mm-hmm. anything that I wanted it to do, it would do. But there was something about it just being a piece of equipment rather than being like an artistic tool. Yeah. That came out with that that Fuji X100, dude. So I feel like even more so with a film camera. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the biggest jumps for me that kind of gave some life to my work that I had never really experienced before was when I made the switch from this is good. we're about to get a little camera nerdy yeah, dude, when we it. switched from when I switched from an SLR to a rangefinder mm-hmm. was kind of the biggest one of the bigger moments that I realized that I had some like very strong agency in how I use this as an artistic tool yeah, yeah, yeah. like because for those of you listening who don't know what this is single lens <laughs> reflex is just kind of your everyday camera where you look straight down through a rangefinder just kind of has this square and it gives you an estimation of the focus. Uh-huh. Um, but aside from that, there's not a whole huge difference. Um, for It's kind of almost the equivalent of like shooting a mirrorless camera versus a camera with mirrors mm-hmm. in, when you think about it digitally. But that experience was just so challenging to be like, okay, I have to think about way more than just what I'm actually seeing. Like I have to, there was just kind of this bit where I had to like, third eye out of it and be like okay what is actually going on in this scene and um i don't know it's the x100 when i've shot on that camera it definitely has that feel of just like kind of giving you some of the power back in the art that you're making the other thing i think that i experienced in watching film photography is the amount of time that you have to take to make sure that the shot that you want to shoot is actually the one that you want to shoot because oh, it's not just like, let me throw this into burst mode and hope that I got the one that I want. Yes. Yeah. It's funny how that mentality just pervades your entire workflow once you start like actively shooting film. Mm-hmm. I've talked myself out of so many photos because I'll sit there and I'll look at it and it's like, it's just not right. Yeah. Like you just kind of... And a little bit of it is kind of this scrapping just for these aha moments of like, yeah. oh man, I'm about to stumble on the perfect scene. And it never is always the perfect scene. Like you'll get your scans back and say, oh man, I maybe could have done this better mm-hmm. or if I had had a tripod, whatever. But it's just kind of, it hits you. You'll walk up to it and you'll see it and you're like, I can't pass this up. Yeah. And just, it kind of builds this sense in you of like, you don't necessarily come to the shot, but it comes to you and it's just your responsibility to capture it mm. to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think so much of is kind of my mindset about photography is that there is a whole, literally a whole world outside that is pointed towards us viewing. And yeah. we have a responsibility, whether we're, you call yourself a photographer or not to engage with that in mm-hmm. some way of like, for me, it's I grab my camera and I take a photo with it. If 
What you brought with you today. Exactly. My, where is it? My Voigtlander Bessa R2. Which had one of the most beautiful advanced sounds yes. that I've ever heard in Let's my life. Let's see if we can get this yeah, in for the, for the people at home so they can experience this beautiful noise <laughs> for the people at home. It's the advanced. Oh, that, man. That it's that advanced. Just the... Mm. That's so good. That dude. is my bread and butter. What film stock are you putting through there right now? Um, we're shooting everybody's... Every photographer's favorite, Portrait 400. <laughs> it's the photographer's film for sure. It you, is. You can make any film photographer cry with the, with the tones and colors that Portrait will the give tones. you. The tones. We, we should take a moment of silence for Fuji Pro 400H. Uh, um, yes. Let's do that. That was good. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the meme with the fire uh, and the girl for uh, what did it say? It oh, was like hike yeah, Canada. Kodak's price hike <laughs> just coming from my wallet. I can't not accept the truth there. I I know that's what's gonna happen, yeah. but I just really wish I could fight it. That I mean, I feel like that is the not the Fuji 400H, but the. Um, Portrait 400 is the stock that I, I I know that everybody and their mom shoots that stock. This is true. But there is something about it that I really appreciate. I I don't know what other stock I've seen shot by so many photographers producing just like incredible work. Yeah, across absolutely. the board. It just has it has so much versatility in what it can do just because it lands in a place where you can work it pretty much in any lighting mm-hmm. situation. It is great for portraiture like it's kind of somewhat in a way built for portraiture yeah. as you can get from the name, yeah. but like it it crushes landscapes. It really just is kind of the most true to eye film that mm-hmm. people can find and really I think that's what you're looking for as a film photographer most of the time because you want to kind of recapture what you see and like you're what you're actually seeing in front of you and portrait just does the best job I really that. think it so, does man did you buy moments course with Joe Greer I did I also bought Willem's course yeah. and I've just been plowing through both of them I can't get enough do you remember where Joe was in his in the mountains we're talking about like the landscape that Portra is capable of producing. Oh, yes. Wherever he was with Maddie shooting some of those portraits. Oh, that's in the Tetons. Bro. Oh, holy cow. Holy cow is the exact response, man. I don't know what other photos I've seen. Of course, all of his body of work is just immaculate. Absolutely. But some of his best. Yeah, he, Joe Greer is 100% the reason that I had any interest in shooting film Same outside here, of dude. meeting other photographers who did. It's just there is a life that exists in his photographs that just is so enticing. It's mm-hmm. like you feel, and I think I would wager that this is the goal for any photographer, and he is a, he achieves this really well, is that. I may never have been in any of the situations he's been in. I have never lived in New York. I've never been to India, whatever, wherever he's been. If I can look at a photograph and feel it Mm -hmm. just like deep in my soul, I can look at this image and just kind of feel that resonance. It's like, that's it. That's all you could ever ask. And his body of work does such an immaculate job of capturing that feeling that it's just it, it's hard to deny the skill that that man has yeah man I spent so many hours watching Casey Neistat's videos oh, in yes. New York and watching Joe make photos of New York I feel like pairing those two together 
I feel like I've been there in a way. Yeah, for sure. But I think it took seeing some of Joe's film photography from that city to really experience like just the unseen elements of life that are taking yeah. place there. And while we're talking about photographers who do this well, I think we can't have this conversation without talking about Andre Wagner. Um, You're going to have to Andre Wagner. <laughs> no, it's totally okay. He is not... He he has a following, but you wouldn't know that you know his work because okay. he he generally lays pretty low, doesn't post a whole lot on Instagram. But he is a microstographer who lives in Brooklyn and has some of the most like riveting documentary work mm. of anyone I've ever seen. And he just he shoots primarily black and white, develops and scans everything at home, like very homegrown yeah. photography experience. But he does such a beautiful job of capturing what it is like to be a black person living in New York in mm. 2021. Like, he, a lot of his work is focused on the community he lives in, and it's just a beautiful picture into what it looks like to be in that place. Like, I've never been there. I've never been to his neighborhood. And you look at it, and you can just kind of feel this emotion of, like, this is his everyday. This is what it looks like. And he is pretty active about talking that that is his goal. Like yeah. a while back he posted on Instagram during the whole black lives matter movement of just kind of feeling this tension of like, I, all I want to do is document my town. And yet I walk out with my camera in my hand and I'm approached because they think it's a gun and like mm -hmm. just kind of giving voice to this collective feeling of like, what is this like? And yeah. even though like I, we could never speak to that level of that experience, right. he, his images create that in a way that like you can't ignore it when you look at his work. So you're talking about the responsibility of a photographer earlier. And I think last year we, as photographers collectively experienced a responsibility. Oh, for sure. To depict whatever it was present to our personal surroundings that was happening. Of course. And man, I think that that's something when you talk about being a photographer, just on a day to day level, you know, there is the enjoyment of seeing what's around you, being present to your world. But when it comes to something that's so much bigger than just you as an individual, being able to not wish that you were somewhere else, mm -hmm. but be present to where you are so that it captures the reality that you're experiencing in a way that nobody else is able to. Mm -hmm. Dude, I think that's, I think that is the greatest responsibility the photographer has. Absolutely. And I was having this conversation with uh, my brother the other day and just kind of talking about there's oftentimes people consider images created in kind of tumultuous situations like this, like kind of coming with this argument of how can you call this art? Like how do you feel justified in like entering into this kind of space just to make photographs. Mm. And I think kind of where I've arrived at that and feel kind of confident on is that you kind of have to start drawing a line where you're not necessarily presenting things as art, but they're a call to action. Like mm -hmm. if you see something That's happening right. and it sits in you so strongly that it's like, this should not be the case. This ought not be. I think there's this responsibility to act in the things that you have talent in to call attention to that. So last summer we saw a whole lot of things that were not, should not be the case. And so 
I think a lot of us who identify as photographers kind of saw that and said, this needs to be documented. Like the, we can't ignore what's happening. And because of that, we feel compelled as a community of artists to give a voice to that through the things that we have talent in. Yeah, man. And so I don't know. I, it's been a very interesting year for photography because of that, uh, just kind of landing in this place of like, what is our call to a continue to make work that we care about and can still have like creative satisfaction in, but also kind of be able to lend voice to the things that we care about. Yeah. in a deeper sense so what other impact did last year have on your photography because i feel like for myself there was that responsibility that i felt but also when everything shut down there was this like slight i don't want to call it depression because i don't feel like it was but i do feel like there was a question of like man, what does photography look like in a world where nobody's out doing anything oh for sure that was tough for me to to wrap my mind around i definitely felt the same way and a lot of i think the biggest impact that that had on my work kind of points back to this idea that i've been wrestling with for a long time and i think i'm finally kind of landing some solace on is just like your work does not always have to be pointed outside like a lot of it can be kind of for you and yeah. like kind of getting out of this mind space that like oh I have to go out and just be sniping bangers for Instagram <laughs> like just getting the the stuff that that everybody is, else yeah, is posting it's and just kind of the, yeah. the, the clickbait if you right. will of sure. just like okay I'm posting this because I know it will get likes on Instagram or like it's Dude, like it's the, the moraine lake shot it's mm -hmm. the antelope canyon shot it's all of that and not to say that those are bad photographs but it's just like there's this level of understanding that it's like okay people want to see this and yep. a lot of that turned back for me of like okay like there is room for your own creative satisfaction in the work that you're making and so you're putting the the words to the struggle that i've had over the last couple of years with my creative outlet of photography i feel like when i started making photos it was like all right which photos got likes that's an easy way to to like put visual to to growth but then you get this really strange experience as a photographer where it's like okay well that photo did good that photo that i liked wasn't liked by other people so maybe i don't want to shoot those anymore dude i i can't explain the frustration that that finally came to a head on for me and i was like you know what i'm I'm going to delete social media because I felt like it was impacting my art in a really negative way. Absolutely. And I'm back on it now, but with way less desire to use it in the way that I did before. It's kind Absolutely, of like, you know what, yeah. this is a body of work for me to put on here to have somewhere to point to. But other than that, like, I, I don't want it to uh, shape the way that I photograph. For sure. And I think that's where I've found a lot of value in having like a website portfolio. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, it gives you this room for your work to exist digitally because we yeah. live in like we live in a digital age and you can't get away from that. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, there's not really a lot of room as visual artists to be presenting work not in on a digital platform. Right. Um, especially now where we our kind of society is pointed away from like, oh, we can't meet up and go to a gallery or mm -hmm. like I'm not just like social events like that can't happen as easily as they used to be able to. And yeah. so 
having a digital body of work is essential for any visual artist, especially photographers. And so just kind of dealing with this frustration of Instagram is a tool, but it's a tool that's pointed towards a some, something specific mm-hmm. and you might not work in those specifics. And that's a really hard hurdle to jump. Yeah, man. Well, another cool thing, your book, I feel like books are becoming a more valued uh, display for creative work than I've seen them in the last decade and a half because there's something tangible to a medium that was only that it's only trajectory for growth was it's got to be online yeah and true dude uh having a copy of uh New York City I Love You is one of my favorite favorite things I own. Yes, my photo book collection has grown extensively yeah. this year, just like with Willem releasing his new zine, Joe releasing his first book that I've been waiting on for literally years. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of off of that, kind of spurring into this desire to like, I want to, because I had such a strong desire to make one of my own, I mm-hmm. kind of felt I needed to do some due diligence of like studying what do photo books look like. And so I just started kind of grabbing anything I could like Matt Day released one Mm -hmm. that was kind of based on quarantine it's called social distancing and just kind of this it wrestles with this idea and that really interested me and so just kind of being able to consume work in that way is so interesting and so I the the idea of books I think is growing in popularity and I'm really excited to see where that leads for people who are in the realm of photography just because it's like it's kind of kind of breaking the expectations of you have to only present your work digitally. And so yeah, just kind of learning or I guess building anticipation of what that will, where that will take the photographic community. Do you have a name for your book? Um, Do you not want to share your name? Cause I totally get that. It's I, I think I'm going to hold on to that one right yeah, now, dude. but it should be coming in the next three or four months, hopefully. Okay, dude. I'm stoked. How many uh, How many photographs? Are there in are 50 images in That's the book, book, front dude. to back. Yeah, it's. I'm really excited about this body of work. I think it... I'm really excited for what people, how people will receive it because it's one of those things that I put it together and I have a lot of emotional attachment to it, mm-hmm. but not in the sense that I'm like... I am so desperate for you to glean this idea from it. It's just like, this is a lot of the idea behind the book is this kind of having this thought that kind of plagued me over quarantine was like, how do we approach the instances of our lives that it's like, do we either, do they happen to us or do we happen to them? Mm -hmm. And just kind of this, like we get to choose the things that we take with us about the things that we're seeing about like our interactions. And so a lot of the images in the book for me point back to that. And I'm really excited and curious to see how people who are interacting with the book, like how will they receive that or if they will at all. Cause it's like, I have no agency over what people will think or do with these photos. And that's kind of exciting. Yeah, I, man. So very excited for this process to Dude, I'm excited culminate. to see it. And I mean, three or four months, it's not too far. Not too road. far I'm away. So, yeah. That'll be awesome. So the book didn't obviously take you to any specific place because you weren't making a body of work for a certain city or a certain style necessarily. But are there any places that you visited where those photographs are present in the book and you're like, this was one of my favorite trips of all time? A lot of, so there's a good number of photos in the book that come from this trip that I took to West Texas Mm -hmm. with my friend. Just because 
like our purpose down there was to take photos and him and I are very like-minded in like there's a process and like the work will just kind of happen yeah, dude. as long like if you take the time to just go get to the place the work will be there for, waiting for you and so I a lot of the images that are in the book that I'm most proud of are probably from there there mm-hmm. are a few um so I don't think this will spoil much because y'all can't see it yet but the last image in the book might be my favorite and i took it in a place that i didn't expect to like i just i i very vividly remember the moment where i stopped and took it and i don't really know what spoke to me about the moment that like i don't really know what came over me that i need to shoot this and then i got the scan back and i literally spent 45 minutes looking at it i just like couldn't get away from it i was so riveted which I, I hate how that sounds like I'm not just like oh, <laughs> oh look my at work is, my yeah. work is god tier but also it's just like I was so captured because I could feel it I could feel the exact moment I was there like mm-hmm. I could feel everything happening that was happening around me and so that's that other thing with film photography man is you don't get to see your photo when you take it you gotta wait that is my favorite part yeah. just I, I live on the anticip- the anticipation of like I'll drop my film off and I'll get home and just be refreshing my email like <laughs> where are my scans do you use a uh, fourth Photo lab. Rep Fort Worth Photo Lab all right day, there, every man. day. The best lab that you can find in Texas, maybe even in the South. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make people angry saying that, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see what happens. There you go. They're really cool over there, man. Well, self-proclaimed big fan of the outdoors as well. Did you get to go on any hikes while you were on that trip? Oh, we did a lot of just kind of meandering because Big Bend, the like national park was closed. and okay. But we ended up staying at this really cool Airbnb in Terlingua called Willow House. They okay. have these really cool like concrete, they call them casitas and they're one or two beds and you on this huge plot of land that you're free to roam around on and cool, so dude. we just loaded up some film and walked around and did that and then uh, shortly after that trip about two weeks later I went to Colorado with my family and we ended up getting to do some fun hikes out there also um, some of my favorite work digitally that I've ever made has happened um, up in Glacier National Park in Montana yeah. which is probably my favorite place I've ever been just one of the most stunning breathtaking places to be just the water is crystal blue the mountains are beautiful the glaciers are insane like if you've never been yeah. I highly suggest if you get the chance to go so any uh, any good coffee shops that you got to stop on either of those trips uh not in the remote places especially glacier but yeah. if you're on your way up passing through Colorado We've always got to stop and talk about Loyal because oh, yeah, they have some of, I think, some of my favorite coffee in Colorado. Um, they just, they've got a really cool operation, what they're doing up mm-hmm. there. And some of my favorite coffees that I've had, especially back in for 2020, they had some really delicious coffees that I enjoyed. And so there's one, <laughs> I don't know how seriously I can recommend this, but at the same time, the novelty of it is really fun. There's this tiny, because Terlingua is quite literally a ghost town. Like yeah. if you were to ask the people who live there, they're like, yes, this is a ghost town. It, the purpose of its existence was my, uh, mercury mining. Oh, and wow. okay. yeah, obviously town, that dude. doesn't, yep. that does not <laughs> happen anymore. So there's no reason to be there, but kind of on the edge of town, there is just this tiny little breakfast coffee spot. And it's, I want to say it's called 
uh, espresso mas, okay. and it's dinky. It's not life changing coffee, but I've just had some really peaceful mornings sitting there and just in the times that I've been in that part of Texas because I'm from kind of around that area okay. originally, and so the times I've been out there, it's just a, it's a very quaint little nice place to sit and watch the beautiful sunrise. And yeah, so, man. I mean, I feel like there's two parts to being in a shop. There's absolutely the the beverage experience, but there's the atmosphere experience as well. Oh, a hundred percent. If you, I think you can really lock down, you can have the best coffee in the world and have just kind of like a eh, shop experience. And that will, that yeah, will give people an opinion about you. And right. so if you can synthesize those two things, I think you have landed on something very special. Well, I don't want to like two waywards horn too much, but I definitely think y'all have nailed that both aspects really, really well over there. That shop, y'all, it's just an incredible yeah, place. We we really appreciate the the way that people have kind of latched on to us, especially yeah, yeah. that Oak Cliff community of people that live in the neighborhood. They just, they have really fiercely committed themselves to us That's and cool. we are really excited for how we're going to grow in this next year with them and really kind of building a focus around like we want to support these people like yeah. they they have supported us through opening in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of having the opportunity to really invest in that community is very exciting. Yeah, man. I think anytime you've got a community that you want to invest in and they want to invest in you, that's success. Oh, yes. That's for you. hundred percent. Well, brother, aside from the book coming up for you, is there anything else next for you creatively? Um, medium format is okay, the jump, dude. I think. Um I've been eyeing medium format for a little while now and mm-hmm. I've had kind of some some want some wish lists about where I want my photography to go yeah. and that is kind of the most tangible and also the most creatively satisfying jump mm-hmm. for next. So been doing some research. I've almost bought a couple of cameras, but my wallet has strongly disagreed with that yeah um is there there a mamiya in your future there uh, hopefully there's a mamiya 7 in the future it is a bit daunting to think about the price tag on that camera but i i think that i think it's coming soon hopefully fingers crossed um yeah i've been saving to afford a camera like that for a long time and so I it feels close Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of the I I kind of told myself that would be my like my present my reward for finishing the book like when the book is done and out and in other people's hands that's when I can feel free to pull the trigger on Mamiya 7 just because books are not cheap to print and Mamiya 7s are not cheap to buy so one of those things will need to there's an order of events that will need to happen with those so well and then you've got you know fewer exposures per roll yeah we're jumping down from 36 exposures to 10 yeah so (laughs) each shot costs a whole lot more but I I think that's a that's a risk I'm willing to take I feel pretty pretty ample in that well I'll definitely grab a copy to at least support the purchasing yeah absolutely there will be social media posts when the book is ready so cool man well we have arrived at the closing segment of the show lovely it's called name that drink name that drink who is your favorite character across TV movies books whatever I think if I had to pick one character um, I probably would have to say just kind of top of my head right now I'd have to say Walter Mitty okay, man. from The Secret Life of Walter Mitty 
one of the most cinematically beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. It could be my favorite movie, which yeah. is hard for me to decide on. I don't generally like favorites, but I yeah. feel pretty confident saying that. Okay, so on his many adventures that he takes in that movie, he's stopping off for a coffee. What is he ordering? I. This is a great question, because I feel like he could go a couple of different yeah, ways. Dude. I feel like if he's paying attention, I feel like he's going to order something delicious, like maybe a pour over or maybe maybe something black coffee oriented. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like depending on what he's been doing before, I think he might just come in and be like, just make me whatever. Like, <laughs> I think he's going to be that guy who like, you can tell he didn't sleep the night before. He yeah. stumbles in right as you're unlocking the door. And I'm like, you've seen some life, my friend. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to hook you up with something sweet and delicious to take your mind off of yeah. the of the hell you just experienced. So to keep going, perhaps an iced latte, but I... I, in my heart, I would love him to order a pour over or an espresso. Okay, dude. Well, uh, for the the book launch, where can people find you on social media? Uh, they can find me at Kolb Scott underscore. That's C O L B S C O T T underscore. Awesome, dude. Well, I look forward to that. As always, no coffee was harmed in the making of this episode because this is no, no creamer. creamer.